Wednesday. Is Frosty really getting married? I will not allow it. A classic holiday special for the whole family. Frosty's Winter Wonderland. Then, a new wee Christmas special. Who comes? When Dinty Doyle stumbles upon the end of the rainbow. A golden Christmas dream come true. The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, it's Nick Vance, Paranormal Futures on all social media. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, you can consider joining our Patreon. Not only do you get cool perks, but you make this podcast as well as a Cinemadness movie possible. Go ahead and hit us with the subscribe, like, Heart. Yeah. Thumbs up. Any of those things. Like, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Recommend the podcast. Play it for your mom. I'm sure she'll enjoy us talking about horror movies and Blu-rays and people from Baltimore that only us know that we talk about on the podcast. You know, it's those are the important things. This is why people podcast, goddammit. Or something like that. I don't know. How's your uh how's your Thanksgiving? It's pretty good. I mean the the big thing that it wasn't really Thanksgiving, but the day after, which is Black Friday, where hosted a screening of Dawn of the Dead with Beyond Fest and American Cinematheque down the arrow. You might have remembered that because we talked about Dawn of the Dead quite a bit on the last episode because it was the Dawn of the Dead episode. Coincidence. Go, go figure. Go figure. Go fucking figure. But when we recorded it, we didn't have a guest announced, which was... Which ended up being Ken Foray, you know, one of the stars of Dawn Dead. Ken came down, introduced the film, did a long, long q and I, I guess, moderated, but, like, Ken was like, I just want to talk to the crowd. I just wanted to be like, you know, we're all hanging out, having a conversation. And I was like, you know what? You've earned this, dude. It's like, you've probably talked about this fucking movie, like, a million times. So, like, however you want to do it, that's going to make it fun for you, entertaining for you, go for it. And, like, the audience loved it. He told a bunch of great stories, and if you want, if you go to the Cinematic Void YouTube channel, you can see a little recap about the screening. Got some tidbits of Ken telling some of the stories, as well as part of his introduction, that kind of stuff. And I should mention, I don't know if we talked about it last time, there is a Cinematic Void vlog. And I should, I guess I should plug it on the podcast. Yeah, tell people about it. Yeah, so basically it started out with me doing a little thing of doing Halloween decorations around LA. And now it's also going to be like show recaps. I'm going to also do a couple of um, film locations, not the traditional film locations. Like no one needs to see me go to fucking Pasadena and do like the Halloween locations, but more weirdo cult movies, things that people don't think about. And I got a few planned coming up very soon. So excited to start doing that. And you know, just another Avenue because it's, you know, because when we do this podcast, there's usually, it kind of falls either before or after a screening or we're recording it when a screening's getting ready to happen, but it comes out after the screening and stuff like that. For example, as we're recording this, um, we're gonna, I'm going to be hosting Get Crazy on the 12th, but I don't think this episode's going to come out until, like, maybe it's going to come out after that, obviously. So, so I, it's not a Get Crazy episode. It's not, but the vlog allows me to go back and recap those things, you know, because sometimes we only do one podcast a month, sometimes we do two, so it's kind of weird to, like, talk about something that we did, like, two months ago or something like that, so I figured it was a good way to, like, you know, talk about what's happening in the void, you know, show some video evidence that we had some cool people coming out, especially the Get Crazy one. It hasn't happened yet, but we're going to have fucking Lee Ving there. Hell yeah. Beef bologna, motherfuckers. Beef bologna. <laughs> but I'm excited to do that screening, even though 
by the time you listen to it, it will happen. But, you know, also going to have Alan Arkish there, the director, get crazy. You also directed Rock and Roll High School. Hell yeah. So, as we've talked about Thanksgiving, Black Friday, I guess we should talk about, you know, what this episode's about. So, last year, we did a little episode called A Non-Traditional Christmas, where I just picked a bunch of movies that you could make the argument that they were Christmas movies, but not in the traditional sense. We did stuff like Deep Red, Rabbit. This is the sequel to A Non-Traditional Christmas called Another Non-Traditional Christmas. And we're going to talk about four more movies that you can make the argument that they're Christmas movies. And hopefully, we didn't talk about any of these movies on the last time we did this because, A, my memory's that bad, and two, I was too lazy to go back and listen to the other episode and make sure we're not talking about things. I'm pretty sure none of these were covered because I think after we did the last uh, non-traditional Christmas, I wrote down a list of a couple more to do, and I think most of these were on there. Mm-hmm. So, if we repeat any, sorry. Not sorry. Look, man, 2020, 2021 seems like one long fucking year. We, before we started recording, we couldn't tell the difference between, like, what was what, you know? It's like, has 2021 felt like it's just flew by, or does it feel like it's just this long, never-ending thing? I don't know. You're, you said it felt like it flew by for you, right? Yeah, this year's going by fast. Me just feels like it's fucking never ending. Can't believe it's December already. December, yeah. I mean, it actually, feels like December here now. Like more in the East Coast. It's, I mean, maybe not thirty degree weather, but like it's been it, gray outside. It's been gray. It's been chilly. I've been putting on my bomber jacket. By the way, this is a sign that I've gotten old. I bought a fucking bomber jacket off of Old Navy. You know, when you're younger, you're like, oh, I can't wear Old Navy. That's not cool. Me, fuck it. Old Navy made a nice bomber jacket. It's comfortable, keeps me warm, and these frigid 50-degree winters in L.A. that we now have. You know the uh, the Nazi store in Falling Down? Yes. That's where I bought my bomber jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually closed pretty recently, but yeah, that was, I bought it like right before the pandemic. They closed during the pandemic. Was it always a Nazi store, or is it just like a, one of those military No, it's just, a, yeah, it's just like a sunny surplus kind of thing. Okay. You know? But, but it's just in the movie. That's what it was. It's a Nazi store. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, I mean, I don't know of any Nazi shops around uh, in Silver Lake, but maybe if you <laughs> but if you do, you know, let me know. Because when I think Silver Lake, <laughs> there's a pudding shop in Silver Lake now. So I mean, who goes to a fucking pudding store? It's like next to Warby Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to do this episode? (laughs) No, apparently not. (laughs) So, now that you know where we bought our bomber jackets at, uh, we're going to take a little break here, but when we return, we're going to get into our first non-traditional Christmas movie. I guess that's not really our first. It'll be our first one for this edition, so we'll be right back after these messages. Come on, everyone. It's time. Hello, I'm Orville Redenbacher. This is my favorite time of the year. When we Redenbachers get together to share the best of the season. Of course, we pop up plenty of my light and fluffy gourmet popping corn and my gourmet microwave popping corn. Ready? You'll say they're the season's best, or I'm not. Redenbacher. Great grandpa to you. May your holiday be the best there is. We are Beatrice. Welcome back. We are talking about non-traditional Christmas movies here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. And... This first movie is only fitting because we started the year with films directed by Umberto Lenzi, so I think it's proper to end the year with a movie directed by Umberto Lenzi. This one is not a giallo. It is the third and final installment of his Cannibal Trilogy. came out in 1980, and it's called Eaten Alive. It stars Robert Kerman, who was in Cannibal Holocaust, Janet Grin. Ivan Razumov, who you'll know from countless Umberto Lindsay and Sergio Martino movies, including Man from Deep River, Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, All the Colors of Dark, nothing but bangers. Mel Ferrara, who's in a bunch of things, but most importantly, Umberto Lindsay's Nightmare City. Mimi Lay, who was in Jungle Holocaust and Man from Deep River, so a lot of usual suspects. Just for the sake of things, I'll give you a little plot. 
A young woman teams up with a mercenary to find her missing sister in the jungles of New Guinea, where they find a deranged cult leader has located his commune there in a basically an area that's like overrun with cannibals. So, lots of fun. Uh, the movie includes a bunch of gore scenes not shot from the movie, but like cribbed from other cannibal movies, including Jungle Holocaust, Mountain the Cannibal God, and Man from Deep River. So, Lindsay took from his own movie, took from a Martino movie, and took from a Ruggiero Diodato movie. Is it, would you say that's an Italian thing to do? Uh, or something that's just I, not, of its era? Well, this one's kind of different because, like, I feel like they just licensed a bunch of clips and slapped it together. Like, So they li- didn't pay for it? Oh, no, they, they had to pay for it mm-hmm. for this. Okay. Like, I'm not sure why. I, I don't know if they ran out of money or they're just trying to do a quick, cheapy, like, kind of you know, cannibal movie to capitalize like it's cannibal's Holocaust was really successful and as was on make them die slowly, AKA cannibal fear rock. So maybe it's just like a quick cash in and then recycling gore from previous gore movie or cannibal movies that probably weren't playing anymore. So like I said, it's a bunch of stuff and a bunch of new footage. And the other thing about this movie is Ivan rise off. Love him. One of my favorite Italian bad guys. His cult leader is definitely inspired by real-life cult leader Jim Jones. Not to be confused with the Dipset rapper. By the way, did you see that fucking photo on Twitter someone posted when um, Leonardo DiCaprio was announced to be Jim Jones? And someone photoshopped him in for Jim Jones the rapper with Dipset? No, I didn't catch that. Dude, it fucking had me rolling. Dude, it had me in tears. And it's like, I kind of want to see that movie. Hell yeah. Although, I probably gonna be brutal when they get to the fucking locks fucking verses when dipset got fucking handed but that's a story for another day anyway enough about cannibals and dipset and jim jones how is this a christmas movie you may ask well the film opens in niagara falls when you think niagara falls you think winter have you ever been to niagara falls i haven't no i went as a kid this was like a big trip and it was like the first time i ever went to canada and like it was a, we were on the New York side, but then there's a bridge you could walk across. You can't do this anymore because like it used to be to get in Canada, you just need like a passport, or you need you either need a passport or you need a birth certificate and like a social security number or something like, or a social security card, I should say. Now it's like it's really fucking hard to get in Canada. In the '80s, come on fucking over. So I remember going to Niagara Falls as a kid. I remember my parents like, hey, what's stop in the middle of the bridge? So you're in between two countries. And I was fucking mortified. I was fucking screaming and crying. There's a photo of me like crying in between the United States and Canada. It's very traumatizing. But that has nothing to do with this movie. You still hate Canada. I don't hate Canada. I mean, I've only been twice like that time. And then when I was on tour and was cut it like we used it as a shortcut from Buffalo to get to Detroit. And half the band I was in at the time didn't have passports, and we tried to crawl. Like, we got into Canada fine, but getting back over to the United States was a fucking nightmare. We got tamed for like an hour. Shit. Story for no. Actually, no. If you go to... I did a screen draft where we talked about Canucks exploitation. I, yeah, I did tell that story. So, you want to hear that? Check out that episode. It's, not, it's long, and it's getting way off track, and we're already going to probably get way off track here in this episode. So, I'll save you one of these tidbits and also you should check out screen drafts like ryan and claire cool dudes and it's a pretty good episode anyway niagara falls on the canadian side of it i should say there's some guy just kind of walking around doing some business and he gets like shot with a blow dart from what i assume is a cannibal hitman i'm not clear on what exactly this dude is but he fucking caps this dude with a blow dart we then cut to new york city cannibal hitman's out caps another dude and But this time, you see some things in the background. You see some snow. And you see Christmas trees, because it's Christmas in New York. But what really sells that this is a Christmas movie, Cannibal Hitman goes and aces another dude right in front of a Santa Claus. Or a guy dressed as Santa Claus. Like, I think one of the Salvation Army Santa Claus, because he's ringing the... Actually, he's not even ringing a bell. This dude is holding balloons. Why the fuck is Santa Claus holding balloons? Like, what tradition is that? I mean, I... I don't know anything about Italian Christmas. I assumed it's kind of close to what ours is. So, And plus, it's in New York. So, I don't... There's no logical reason that I can think of of why the Santa Claus has balloons. But, dude dressed as Santa Claus has balloons. Cannibal Hitman runs off. Cops 
try to chase him down, gets hit by a truck. And that's pretty much it for the Christmas part. But it's a Christmas movie. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. You know, Santa Claus, Christmas tree, snow. Sure, the rest of the movie takes place in the fucking jungle, and like you have all that recycled cannibal, fo- like cannibal gore footage. You had Ivan Razumov, like giving a complete overtop performance, doing his Jim Jones, the cult leader, not the rapper, obviously. But yeah, Christmas movie. So add that to your Christmas cube. You know, take a break from Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Black Christmas. Put on some Umberto Lindsay's Eating Alive. Got any thoughts on this, Nick? I really don't. I really don't. I was actually, I was curious uh, what came first, this or the uh, Toby Hooper, Hooper uh, film and why, why are they tied to the same thing? And is, is there any uh, correlation there? Because I know that Italians just get weird with titles sometimes. Nah, the, there's nothing there. I, I guess technically Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive was first. I think the full title of this was Eaten Alive by the Cannibals and just got shortened to Eaten Alive. So that's that's about it. No no correlation, no ripping off. It's just eaten alive by the Campbells. Okay. So there we go. So we're going to take a quick commercial break here. But when we return, we're going to have another non-traditional Christmas movie here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Oh, my wonderful balloon. She had a joy of giving with nine thousand. Ah! 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 What the hell? Ah! Shut up. Hey, you. Stop. <laughs> Three men killed with tiny darts dipped in cobra venom. Cobra venom? Well, that's bad news. I have to remind you that there are still cannibals in the southeastern jungles of New Guinea. What? <laughs> Brethren, two great perils endanger the well-being of our community. The cave dwellers hungering for our flesh and city dwellers out to enslave us. <laughs> Those devils want to see me locked up in a prison cell, but they'll never get to do it. I will not leave my people without their leader. Welcome back. We're talking about non-traditional Christmas movies here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. And this next one, probably the biggest stretch out of them all, but (laughs) fuck it. I I can justify this, goddammit. So this next film we're going to talk about is from 1985. It's directed by Norbert Miesel, who... You asked me if I actually spelled his name right to make sure, and then I had to question it. And he's had a five-film career, made some things, directed porn. So, real person, real name. Norbert Israel. Norbert Israel. And this is a movie that I actually really liked a lot. And I think when we were talking about this episode, I said there's two movies that out of the four that you need to really watch just because I think you should see them, and this was one of them, which is 1985's Walking the Edge, starring the great... Robert Forrester, Nancy Kwan, who you've seen in The Wrecking Crew and Wonder Woman, from the director of Angel. Wonder Woman is directed by the director of Angel. And, of course, everyone's favorite sleazy character actor, Joe Spinell of Maniac fame. And speaking of Spinell, the film has a very stellar score by Jay Chataway, who also scored Maniac. So, good bit of Maniac connection there. For those you haven't seen Walking the Edge... A Los Angeles taxi driver picked up a woman in his cab, not knowing that she's on a suicidal revenge mission. He manages to escape with her before getting killed, but deranged gangsters are now searching for him. The, that taxi driver is Robert Forrester. It is. Looking like he just joined Sonic Youth. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does have like some like weird like late 80s, early 90s vibe. And like it's not even from that era. But like... Let's, let's talk about this movie a little bit before we get into why it's Christmas. Like, what did you think of it? I, lo- I absolutely loved it. It kicks ass, totally. It's, it's a great-looking L.A. movie. It's a great-looking, you know, revenge movie. Like, the thing is, like, I go on this walk pretty much every day, and, like, I when I was watching, it's like, why does this look familiar, like, one of the locations? And it turns out, like, I literally walk past, like, a block where they shot a good portion of Walking the Edge every day. Mm-hmm. Not going to tell you about it because remember that Cinematic Void vlog we're talking about? Got a Walking the Edge location episode coming your way. Hell yeah. See, it all ties together. Synergy, as they say in the corporate world. Not in the corporate world. I mean, does anyone actually still use the word synergy? 
Someone somewhere says synergy. Well, I just did, so I guess someone is. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of synergy, actually, I don't even know if synergy is the right word for this, so we're going to stop saying synergy. How is this a Christmas movie? Well, during the opening credits, there's a driving shot going southbound on the 101. You're familiar of it. Mm-hmm. If you're in L.A., you know about the 101. It's passing by the Vine and Gower exits. Like, you have the Vine exit, and then it has a sign that says the Gower one's coming up like three-fourths of a mile or some shit like that. On that stretch of freeway, you see the Capitol Records building. And during the holidays, Capitol Records building puts a Christmas tree on top of it. What do you see in that shot, Nick? Uh, The Capitol Records building with the Christmas tree on top. Fucking Christmas movie. Fucking Christmas movie. Fucking Christmas movie. Thank you. Sure, there's nothing else really in this movie that indicates it's a Christmas movie, but goddammit. If there's a Christmas tree on the Capitol Records building, that has to be sort of Christmassy. Yeah, so, yeah, that's my justification. So, there you go. Non-traditional Christmas movie, Walking the Edge. If you haven't seen it yet, watch it now. Fun City Editions put out an excellent Blu-ray of it, and if you're repertory theater, I believe you can book a DCP of that movie through Fun City Editions. I'll be talking about this on another episode coming up, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but, like, yeah, I really like Walking the Edge. Glad you dug it, too. And it's a Christmas movie. There you go. Get into the spirit. Get in the spirit. So we're going to take another commercial break here, but when we return, more non-traditional Christmas movies here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Walking the edge in a violent city. Dad! Run, Dad, run! A family torn apart. A woman needs to settle the score. If he was pushing drugs to young kids, maybe he deserved it. Danny was my baby, my son. He was an easygoing man, a nice guy with unfulfilled dreams who's been pushed too far. You pick up and deliver, otherwise keep your friggin' mouth shut. Is that clear? My friends don't talk to me that way. I think I'm tired of getting pushed around. A man and a woman, two strangers brought together by chance, held together by fate. They were one step ahead of sudden death. We're gonna find that lady and cut her up into tiny little pieces. Jesus, they were trying to kill me! You had to get in the way, you complete goddamn jerk-off, Cabby! Where is he? I don't know, man! The bastard's got Tony. God damn you, lady. God damn you for being alive. I'll go with you. Go to hell. Huh? I'm gonna cut your whole fucking head off! Cut your whole fucking head off! You're an asshole. Walking the Edge, the motion picture that takes you to the depths of human emotion. Up here, Brewster. Dirty son of a bitch! I gave you the best shot I could, son. God damn it! If you'd have been out on the street, you'd have been dead by now. I was, I was thinking about you here. all day long. You could have I know what I was back. doing. Walking the Edge, starring Robert Forrester and Nancy Kwan. Welcome back been talking about Christmas movies, maybe not in the traditional sense here on the Cinematic Boy podcast. Like I said, that last one was probably the biggest stretch. This next one, definitely Christmassy. You even get some Christmas caroling in. And it's a little movie from 1987. It's directed by Joseph Sargent, who did Taking the Film 123. Great movie. Not a Christmas movie, but a great movie. The film stars Lorraine Gary who you might remember is Ellen Brody from Jaws, has Lance Guest, who is the last starfighter and also in Halloween 2. It also stars Mario Van Peebles, and I think there's a little role for his dad Melvin as well in it. And it has Michael Caine collecting a big fat fucking paycheck. So of course we're talking about 1987's Jaws the Revenge. And for those you who haven't seen this movie, basically, after the death of her youngest son, Chief Brody's wid- widow, believes that her family is being deliberately hunted by a rogue shark that wants revenge. Eh, makes sense. Yeah, because sharks are known to fucking stalk people. I think. Maybe. I, I mean, I, I'm no ocean expert, so I really don't know. I stay the fuck away from the ocean, so... You know, sharks could be that vindictive. Holding a grudge. Holding a grudge over four movies. Anyway, <laughs> so... Basically, how is this a Christmas movie? 
Because you, when you think sharks, you don't think Christmas, do you? Well, this one will change your mind about it. Because, you know, you get to see Ellen Brody's son, who is now the chief of police of Amity Island, taking over for his dad, who I think, I think Roy Schreider, after Jaws 2, refused to appear in another Jaws movie. So I think he, they wrote him out as he, like, I think died of a heart attack or something. I can't remember. Anyway. So anyway... Chief Brody's son is now the chief. And for whatever reason, around Christmas time, decides to go dislodge a log from a buoy. Which, to me, doesn't seem like something that urgent that you should be doing at night. I mean, I I, I guess the argument is just that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know why another boat would get that close to that buoy in the first place. That's the point of the buoy. Yeah. But... Someone could still get close. They could rip it inside of their boat. I mean, I guess that's why. It's probably some, like, total... It's just something you have to do. But is that really a policeman's job? Shouldn't that be, like, Coast Guard or some shit like that? Mm, yeah, I mean, there's that. It, it, it just seems like he's just overstepping his boundaries. Yeah. Anyway, he's out on this boat to go dislodge his log. You get to hear people singing Christmas songs in the background, see some Christmas trees. So, yeah, you get in that Christmas spirit. And then, of course, it doesn't get very Christmassy for the young Brody son because basically a fucking shark that has a revenge motive jumps out of the water and bites his fucking arm off. It's awesome. It is It is awesome. Like... I want, we're gonna leave this reaction in because we're we're sitting there making a joke about this dude getting his arm bit off by a fucking shark, and then there's this loud sound that scared both of us. It kind of sounds like the the sound of a a shark ramming into the side of a boat. Yeah, it actually did. So it's like, I mean, again, I guess sharks can stalk you, and I guess this shark doesn't appreciate shit talk on a podcast that hasn't come out yet. I mean, I guess they have that sense, you know that hunter's instinct so anyway it sounds like a shark just ran into fucking nick's apartment so if you don't hear from us again a fucking shark guys but anyway so the shark bites off the dude's fucking arm and then like knocks him out of the boat eats him all while people are christmas caroling what the scene reminds me of, of this movie is like you remember in black christmas margot kidder's death yeah we're like the killer stabbing her with the glass unicorn. I guess that's a spoiler. I should have said something. But if you haven't seen Black Christmas at this point, it's, it's 40, 50 years old at this point. So, can't really spoil it. Sorry. 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 But I have to bring it up because I think in that scene, you have carolers at the front door in Black Christmas while Margaret Kidder is getting stabbed with this fucking glass unicorn thing. And... In Jaws Revenge, you have the Brody son getting mauled by a fucking shark, cross-cut with carolers. Very similar. You're at the very end of the scene, uh, the the piece of wood actually does pop out from the Bowie. Um, so he didn't die in vain. Yeah, that, that's the most important part. That like, regardless of the fact that he lost his life over something that really could have waited till the morning, hey, it got done. The job got done. Sure, you're dead, but the job got done. And then, after that, Mrs. Brody gets, they give her, you know, what's left of her son. Give her his, give her his gun. Like, it's like, here, I figured you wanted his things. And he just handed, like, a fucking torn up, like, shirt and a gun. It's just his arm and the gun. <laughs> I don't think it's the arm, but, like, <laughs> it just seems like nonsense. It's like, here, how do you remember your son by Here's his gun that he didn't use because a fucking shark ripped his arm off. The gun that could probably helped him out in this shark attack that proved to be useless. But then after that, her other son that's still alive, that's, I guess, a biologist or whatever, or marine biologist, I should say. Like, come on, mom. You know you're depressed. Let's go to the fucking Bahamas. And that's what they do for Christmas. And that's where she meets Michael Caine and somehow this shark who lives in Amity, makes his way to the Bahamas to exact revenge on the Brody family. As he should. As he should. I mean, I think out of all the Jaws movies, like, this is definitely like the slasher Jaws. It's like, you know, I mean, 
you gotta think of Jason Voorhees his dedication to like killing teens. Like he'll go out of his way to do it. Same with Michael Myers. And this is, you know, take that motivation and put it in a shark. Maybe it's more like uh it's like forgetting Sarah Marshall. They just both happen to go to the same island. <laughs> like the shark like, the shark went on vacation. It's like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that that's probably more plausible than a shark like swimming all the way to the Bahamas and specifically finding them. I mean, that makes more sense. Like, the shark is like, it's fucking cold up here in Amity. I'm gonna go to the fucking beach. Water's gonna be nicer. And then he gets there, he's like, what the fuck? Fuck these Brodies. I can't take a fucking day off, man. So that's probably why he's extra pissed. So there you go. Jaws Revenge, Christmas movie. (laughs) I mean, more so than, like, the previous two. Yeah. I mean, it even has a homage or ripoff of Black Christmas in it. So, yeah. Sure, the rest of the movie takes place in the Bahamas, but, you know, Christmas still happens in the Bahamas, even though it's tropical weather. So there you go. We're going to, eh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we've done this premise for two episodes now. But, you know, in, in my defense... Actually, there's no defense. I'm going to stop trying to defend this. This is pretty silly. But I think next year for Cinematic Void, I want to do Jaws Revenge for my Christmas movie. Oh, you're you're announcing now. I'm announcing now. <laughs> and watch, I don't fucking do it. But, like, I'm putting it out there, Jaws Revenge. Because, like, I've already done my bucket list, like, kind of New Year's movie, Get Crazy this year. So it's like, what can I do next year? Jaws Revenge. So there you go. A little sneak peek of Cinematic Void 2022 for you. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we return, we're going to have one last non-traditional Christmas movie here on the Cinematic Boy Podcast. Instinctively, man has always been drawn to the sea. Its beauty. Its mystery. Its secrets. But there is also a vague uncertainty. A sense of intrusion into an alien world where man is unwelcome and completely at the mercy of the most terrifying predator on earth. Man's deepest fear has risen again. Jaws, the revenge. This time, it's personal. Unbearable suspense keeps you on the edge of an abyss of terror. Take a cult film odyssey into cinemadness with Cinematic Void. Based in Los Angeles, Cinematic Void is a film series that specializes in horror and exploitation films. Currently, we are hosting Cinematic Void Up All Night in the Cinemadness Movie, a monthly virtual screening series, as well as the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we dive deeper into the world of cult cinema. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at CinematicVoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like what we do, you can support Cinematic Void by joining our Patreon. Until next time, see you in the void. Welcome back. We've been talking about non-traditional Christmas movies here on the Cinematic Void podcast, and this is the last one. Might be, oh, I can't believe this is the last one for some of you, or be like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe you ran this premise into the ground for two episodes over the last year well yeah that's what we do so this one we're going to the 90s and it's a little movie written by the great larry cohen it stars robert zadar claudia christian robert davy michael lerner bruce campbell and lorraine landon who were in the first edition of this movie so of course we're talking about bill lustig's maniac cop 2 and for those of you keeping score at home, this is the second movie with a Jay Chataway soundtrack on it. So, Jay Chataway, Christmas composer. And he also put together the infamous Maniac Cop 2 rap that's in this movie. But, you know, let's... For those of you who haven't seen it, here's a little plot for you. Picking up where the first movie ends, Matt Cordell, a.k.a. the Maniac Cop, returns for revenge, but also teams up with a serial killer. So extra action there you know i before we get into the christmasness of this movie i just want to say that personally i think this is bill lustig's best film like best directed movie i know maniac is always going to be beloved and all that but i think like 
as a director, this is like Bill's masterpiece. It's got a lot of great action. There's violence. There's stunts. There's good horror. It's a fucking fantastic movie. It's tr- truly a great fucking movie, for sure. This thing rips. Yeah. And with that said, how is this a Christmas movie? Well, let's get into starters here. It shouldn't be. Because if it picks up right when the first one ends, the first one takes place around St. Patrick's Day. Mm. But then, and you know, this is supposed to be a direct sequel. I guess there could be a passage in time in there that's just implied that kind of missed. But, you know, you go from recapping the first movie and Cordell coming back from the dead and all that to them putting up Christmas decorations in the police station. Or it's just like some weird, like, Meta universe thing where it's just like one day St. Patrick's Day, the next is fucking Christmas. I don't know. I'm not gonna really complain because the movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. So with that out of the way, it's just like there's a ton of Christmas trees, lights, decorations. Like it's all throughout the movie. It's definitely very Christmassy. Although it doesn't like, it's not on the nose Christmas. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you know. It's I guess it's kind of in the Shane Black mold of like. He makes a lot of movies that take place on Christmas, but they don't, they're not really like, it's not like, oh my God, it's fucking Christmas. There's a Santa Claus right over here. It's just, it's a, it's an action horror movie that just happens to take place on Christmas and Christmas is not the main plot point, Mm -hmm. but it's a really fucking good movie. You've never seen it. I know Blue Underground just put out a 4K um, Ultra HD thing with the Blu-ray worth checking out. If it plays in a theater, definitely go see it. It is a crowd pleaser for sure. Love this movie a lot. Love it as a Christmas movie. So there you have it. That's our non-traditional Christmas for this year. Or should I say another non-traditional Christmas? We might do this again next year. Or we might stop fucking around and actually do real Christmas horror movies. But I make no promises at this point. The only promise I can make is Jaws Revenge next year. Cinematic Void 2022 screening. We're going to take one last break here. But when we return... It's going to be read, watch, and listen. I don't know if it'll be the Christmas edition. It could be. Probably not. It's just going to be read, watch, and listen on the Cinematic Void podcast. You have the right to remain silent. He's still alive. Forever. Again. You can't kill the dead. Why is this been kept from the public and the press? When this leaks out, people are not going to want to pick up the phone and dial 911. We're looking at a bloodbath here. Let ourselves a serious killer. I touched his hand, and I was back there again with the dead. What do you want? I don't know. What'd you see? Sean, I saw Matt Cordell. He had a reason for coming here. He's got a reason for everything he does. Do you ever see anything so nasty? Cordell's gonna pay you a visit and you'll see him. He must be visiting hours, cause my friend is back! Getting stronger because we got ourselves a leader. All the cops in the world can't stop Cordell. You murdered him. You're pushing me too far. Maniac Cop 2. You'll be screaming blue murder. Welcome back. It's now time for. (laughs) On the Cinematic Void podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to. Nick. It's been a bit. Why don't you tell me what you've been reading, watching, and or listening to? All right, Jim. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been reading, uh, I just started rereading for probably the fourth time, and I've never finished it, is the Invisibles comic book series by Grant Morrison. Hell, I probably even uh, started it once uh, earlier in the the podcast days and probably mentioned it way back, but uh, it's dense. And I've, I've actually never finished it. Um, but so I committed to reading uh, one, because, you know, it's a, it's a graphic novel. So it's a, it's a series of comic books that are collected. Mm-hmm. 
for the uninitiated. And so I committed to reading just one issue of The Invisibles a day. And uh, and I have not kept up with it entirely, but I, I've I've gone through a few in the past week or so. Yeah, it's great. Grant Grant Morrison did has done like some of the more popular Batman runs. He's done ton. He's Superman. He's done tons of stuff, but his more kind of esoteric comic books. He's done some weird, cool stuff. He's he's right up there with like Alan Moore and those type of guys. So hopefully I'll blaze on through the whole series, but we'll see. Um watch uh i just saw traveling light the new bernard rose film over at the los Feliz three los Feliz. I, I think either war is Fe- correct it's like i just don't even know anymore. it's like celtic and celtic fuck it could be either is right i guess man because like i don't know it los Feliz or is it los Feliz? because then you're like felice navi i mean that see we make that fucking christmas there yeah, now which one is it I think either was fine. All right. So I just saw that there. Bernard Rose did the original Candyman film. Uh, he did Paper House. Um, yeah, it was cool. It, and Tony Todd from Candyman is in it. Uh, Danny Houston. Um, it's cool. It's, 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 uh, it was filmed during the pandemic and is loosely about existing in the pandemic and, and it's a bunch of people's lives. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting and I definitely recommend kind of seeing it now rather than seeing it later if you can be, because we're still kind of in the middle of this whole thing one way or another. Um, I don't know, just because it's still fresh, I think it's probably the best way to see this film. Um, I also just saw, uh, that new Dune film that just came out. Yeah. I don't, I don't see a lot of like current stuff in the theater to be honest i just don't ever really go but it was uh, a friend of mine nikolai it's his birthday shout out nikolai um and we rented the uh the entire theater for our whole crew to go and it's just these like giant fucking recliner chairs like it's just like the most comfy fucking like you just they just sit you on this fucking thing and uh and i sat down and, and as soon as i saw the desert i just fell asleep and i just slept for the first two hours of the fucking movie so I saw like the last half an hour and it was okay. See, I, I had no desire to see Dune. I know people love that book series, love that franchise and all that stuff. I, I, I can't give a fuck about it. Like a, about spice, about spice. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I like, I, I've always been curious because you've probably seen Hodorowski's Dune or that documentary. Mm-hmm. And like, there's some great visuals. It's just like, it's just not for me. I remember when we screened the David Lynch version and people showed up because it's like, hey, I'm here for the David Lynch movie. And it's like, you do realize that this is like the most atypical David Lynch movie. It's like, it's not even, I mean, it's weird, but it's not good weird, you know. It, I don't want to shit on Dune because I know a lot of people love it. It's just, I have no desire to see anything that has to deal with spice trade. It's like, it, you know, I don't even want to watch a fucking documentary on McCormick. I feel like we made this joke before. Did we make a Dune joke before? I probably have. It's likely. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I, I have no interest in Dune. It's you, fun. Great visuals. Cool effects. Whatever. I saw half an hour of it. I don't know if I'll ever see the other two hours. Yeah, that's no, fair. No big deal. I just got a copy of Solaris and of The Mirror, the two are Tarkovsky films uh, on Criterion. Um, and so I watched Solaris yesterday and... Uh, I've tried to watch it a couple times before, to be honest. And it's, I mean, it's like 40 hours long and it's pretty slow and quiet and whatever, but you know, it's great. It's Tarkovsky. Um, so, you know, it's just a little bit of a, some, some of those films are a little bit of a chore to get through. What are you going to do? It's still sick. And I just saw, I think it's the, at least the la- I think it's the last, uh, Michel Haneke film. Um, I think it's his, his most recent is happy end. Um, it's kind of a loose sequel to Amour, which was filmed before it. It's great. It's super dark. I haven't as, seen that one As yet. they always are. Well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been watching. Uh, Listen-wise, um, I busted out a CD of this band called Fret Blanket, who are from... Fuck, I think they're from the UK. Uh, they did a record called Junk Fuel in like 97 or something, and it's just like some... I don't know, just some '90s rock. It's sick, a little gr- little grungy, but uh, I don't know, just catchy ass songs. Uh, and I've been listening to Inside Out, Burning Fight, Seven Inch, Damn. a bunch. Yeah, it's a ripper. 
and uh and i've been watching like inside out uh videos on youtube and there's a few there's uh the singer of rage against the machines band before rage and uh they're fucking they're sick as hell it's amazing that like it's literally just a six song ep mm-hmm. and like it's fucking incredible it's probably one of the best hardcore records ever made truly on uh on revelation records I've also been listening to the Chain of Strength record on on Revelation Records called One Thing That Still Holds True. Um, and just another classic. Wasn't like um, someone from Inside Out eventually in Chain of Strength or I something like that? I think the drummer played in both, but I could be wrong. I know Inside Out was members of like 108. So it's like a bunch of a bunch of folks that went on to do other things. I'm pretty sure it's the drummer of Chain of Strength, but someone can correct me on that. For all you um, Revelation hardcore youth crew experts out there let us know there you go or we could just you know look it up but anyway let us know just let us know i mean why look stuff up when we can just ask people and this is basically seeing who actually listens to the podcast you know i'm not gonna look it up just get back to me yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll never know unless you tell us yeah because podcasts should be a little interactive so you look it up for us and let us know and then we can give you a shout out on the next episode that's that's it for me, man. What have you been listening to? I I guess I can start with listen and then go in opposite order here. Um, let's see. Recently, I listened to the new Genocide Pack record. Cool, kind of Maryland death metal. The record self title. It's always weird to me when a band releases a self title after they already released like a couple records. Yeah, I think they made claim DC, so I wanna I wanna be specific oh, with that. Fuck all that. Gotta be specific. I, I think you know if you claim DC, you claim DC. Fine. DC, DC, whatever. Fuck DC it. death metal. DC death metal. It, it doesn't have the same ring as like Maryland. It doesn't. Death Maryland death metal has a better ring. Whatever. DC, Maryland, whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, I mean, fine. If you know, <laughs> if someone wants to look it up and see if they're Washington DC or Maryland, get back to us. We'll we'll shout you out. On we'll never. Episode. Otherwise, we'll never we'll know. Look it up. But anyway, the record's pretty much a it's a it's a it's a bit of a ripper. Like I know they kind of like tread into the more doomy death metal end of the spectrum, maybe a little on that bolt thrower like pace, that leisurely bolt thrower pace I would call it. Okay. I mean, I guess what I mean le- leisurely, it's not like fucking super fast blast beats and stuff. There's there's little moments of it, but it's just it's a leisure pace. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in like I'm making fun of it. It's just like it's more of a relaxing speed of death metal. But record, it rips. It's fucking good. Uh, other stuff I've been listening to is um, Freddie Gibbs dropped a new single called Black Illuminati with Jadakiss. I, I assume this is going to be on his new record, SSS. Mm-hmm. Sold, so, was it Soul Sold Separately? Oh, okay. I think that's what the record's actually called. I mean, he's been like sneak dropping singles like for the past year and hasn't put out a record. I think he's, I think he. I like what they like him and Lambo. Lambo is like his manager. What they do with his marketing and putting stuff out because like they were dropping record after record after record. A little hot streak, yeah. And then like it's just been singles. So the uh, the new one, the new ones on a major label. Yeah. So I guess that's the that's kind of the holdout. I think they're just building it up. I think they're building anticipation. It's like because like when did um Alfredo come out? Like it came out early 2020. Yeah. It came. I think it came out during the. That was right on the heels of um, the Madlib one. Yeah, it, those came out back to back pretty close. Cause like I noticed a lot of those dudes that like were putting out like you know Griselda and stuff like that were putting out records back to back to back. Everyone's kind of slowed up since like you know the pandemic's kind of shifted and things have reopened. Mm-hmm. I think people were building anticipation because you get used to getting like oh shit new EP new record. Plus they're actually playing shows. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like. You can't be dropping a new record and then like playing a show and that kind of stuff. So that that might be part of it. But anyway, single's pretty good. Jada Kiss always has like a great verse on anything. Top five dead or alive. There you go. Uh, other stuff I've been listening to. I listened to that last Integrity record, Suicide Black Snake, that Relapse put out. Okay. I missed it. I missed yeah, I didn't it. hear that one. It's actually pretty good. Some scorching solos, I'd say. A dom. Dom, yeah, shout out to Dom. The other thing I listened to recently was Ghostface Killer and um, Adrian Young's um, 12 Reasons to Die, Volume 1 and 2. Kind of a prep for January Giallo. And uh, since we're doing this backwards, since she's threw it to me with listen, I'll just do watch next. I watched Siege, the Canadian exploitation movie. Holy fucking shit. Fucking masterpiece. Like, 
I think you dig dig it. It's like basically like a home invasion. Like okay. it's kind of like all I gotta say is home invasion to me. It's a home invasion movie. <laughs> basically, it's like in Canada, the police force go on strike, so these people just run the streets, and like there's some vigilantes that go into like a gay bar and like just to harass people, and then like they accidentally kill someone, so they have to call on their boss, and then they fucking kill everyone with one except for one person that gets away that goes and holds up at an apartment. Where, like, the apartment takes care of, like, I guess they're teachers for, like, a school of the blind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, really tense. It's very Canadian. It's not very PC. But it's a fucking great movie. So you should put that on your shit right there. Will do. Um, I also watched um, No One Heard a Scream, which is, like, a Spanish-tinged giallo. Really good. Then I got a bunch of stuff from that Criterion 50% off sale. Picked up some things, upgraded a few others. Some of the stuff I watched from that, I watched Clute with Donald Sutherland and um Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Banger. It's a banger. Like all those like 70s paranoid movies. It's a fucking rager. I watched Blow Up. Not Blow Out, Blow Up, the Antonioni movie with David Hemming. I hadn't watched that in years. Like I have the old Warner Brothers DVD where I didn't check on the Criterion disc, but the old Warner had an option where you could just play the Herbie Hancock soundtrack. Oh, okay. But blow blow up's a fucking great weird like art house. Oh yeah, definitely got some had some influence over Giallo's just style. Absolutely did. Um, I watched The Innocence, which is like adaptation of like Turn of the Screw, mm-hmm. just kind of great eerie black and white horror movie. And I also watched Lynn Ramsey's Rat Catcher, which is an incredible fucking movie. I've seen it before. I just like you know what I need to get this on disc. Like Lynn Ramsey's probably one of my favorite working filmmakers right now. Like, easy top five. You never really hear the movie she made with on Joaquin Phoenix. Fucking incredible. We need to talk about Kevin. Fucking incredible. Like, just dropping banger after banger after banger. I kind of wish she would make more movies, but at the same time, the way she's pacing them out, it's just like, it's a big, when she drops them, it's fucking good and it's well worth the wait. And, again, going reverse, reading. Normally, I guess say the last few episodes, not much reading. Did read a couple things. I read the Night of the Demon novelization by Brad Carter that Severn put out for their, in conjunction with their new release of Night of the Demon. So you get Bigfoot dick ripping as a novelization. So awesome shit. Also got the new issue of the Weird Walk zine, which is a British kind of like a cult zine. Um, this episode or this issue is pretty cool because it talks about the Cotswolds, which is a really cool area in England, like kind of like st- cobblestone, like. And like lots of wooded areas and that kind of stuff. But it also has a interview with Friend of the Void, Kayla Janison, and talking about her um, documentary, Woodlands Dark, Days Bewitched. So cool. if you don't mind paying that shipping from the UK, pick up a copy of that. But anyway, that wraps up this non-traditional Christmas episode of the Cinematic Void podcast. We got one more episode left for 2021 where we're going to talk about our favorite Blu-ray releases as well as our favorite record releases. Anyway, happy holidays from all of us here at Cinematic Void. And until next time, see you in the void. return to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer after these messages.